Ladies and gents, welcome back to Black and Blurred. Hi. That's Darren. That's me. I'm Brandon. Darren, you know what we haven't done in a while? What's, what's that? A comment section episode. Mm. We haven't had one in a while. Speaking of which, I just told you about this. We, need we should to do, do a comment section episode. No. Today. That's not what I was about to say. Oh. Um, but we should do a part two with David Pfizer. Yeah. We had a comment section episode, I think, over a year ago, maybe. Right? Is that right? Has it been a year? I don't know, because we were, we were joking to come on with Joe Biden on that. Well, he so was when, definitely elected. Oh, he was already elected? Yeah, yeah, we talked about border crisis and nobody, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's been a year. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people responded heavily to that episode as well. A lot of people really enjoyed that episode. They en- enjoyed David's, um, like, genuineness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who even disagree with some of the ways that David thought, but still genuinely were... Uh, Enjoyed that episode and listening to his thoughts mm-hmm. because the conversation was so genuine. We need That's to because, have a part two. Yeah, yeah. We need to have a part two. Um, we talked critical race theory. We talked the overall narratives and things like that. But today, there was. I mean, we have a, a guest with us, um, and we're going to dive into the comment section on this podcast and talk about some good topics that people should be talking about. Something that we want to do is we want to. If there is a conversation that happens where we engage people in the comment section on social media, mostly Instagram, that's the only social media we're on, really. Right. I mean, we have a Facebook page, but it sucks. We don't do anything. Uh, with yeah, it. Facebook is garbage. Uh, well, Instagram's owned by the same dude. Okay. No doubt, no more digression. <laughs> Elon, what's good with Instagram? No, I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, nah. <laughs> nah. But um, uh, it's, it's so what typically happens is. People will share their thoughts and then Christians get on the comment section and the ultimate goal immediately changes to annihilation. Mm-hmm. Let me annihilate this person with my facts and my logic. Um, I believe facts and logic are important. We do on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Our tag at the end of it involves that. Yeah. Um, but that's not the goal. The goal is the individual. Um, and so fortunately, um, we met a young woman named Amber that I'm about to bring on and was in her graciousness um, was willing to join us on this episode to do up a comment section and talk about some heavy topics and be able to press each other on these topics, but then do it in love and respect and learn and grow from one another as we have this conversation. So without any further ado, let me bring Amber on. There she is. Amber, welcome on Black and Blurred. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I know we need one of those. We've dedicated all of our pads to making fun of people. I know. That sounds like a bunch of commie gobbledygook. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, Amber, before we jump in, um, tell the people a little bit about yourself, who you are, um, what you do, what you love. I know this information already. Yeah, I'll just give a brief summary. Yeah, so um, my name is Amber. Met you in the comment section. Um, I'm currently someone who, you know, uh, I guess I would say, I don't identify, but I would say someone uh, based on my experience is kind of an ex-Christian. I grew up in the church. I was raised a pastor's daughter, you know, a Pentecostal background, holiness and fire and the personal relationship with Christ. So I grew up uh, very heavily religious, not only uh, Pentecostal, but homeschooled Pentecostal. Um, And so that's have been a lot of my experience, uh, understanding the church, growing up within the church. A uh, strong religious background, a strong faith background. Um, a lot of my family, everyone in my immediate family, besides me, is still in um, that faith. 
Uh, I kind of broke away when I got into kind of college, got moved away from home, kind of found myself. Um, I just started to question a lot of the beliefs that I had been kind of assumed or kind of forced in some ways to believe. And I just kind of lost touch with that faith um, and really just wanted to, I always had a kind of questioning nature. So um, I've taken that nature to kind of independence, my love for independence and questioning things to kind of explore my life and decide like, who did I want to be versus so much in, in those type of environments tell you what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to believe and what you're supposed to do. And so I would say I'm really an independent thinker. Um, I do have a day job in uh, finance, but I, my heart is uh, also creativity. So I do, I'm a thespian. I, I do a lot of Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of my story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember when you and I were talking, it was like, you are like the inverted version of me. She's yeah. a, she's a middle child. Oh wow! You, you have a younger brother and an older sister, right? Yep. Um, you were heavily ingrained in the faith at a young age and went left out of it. Meanwhile, I was in forms of debauchery that my parents didn't know about, and now I'm a pastor later mm-hmm. on. Um, wow! So it, yeah, it was very it's very interesting, and I'm very happy to have met you. Um, so what I want to do is I want to play the I want to play the Instagram. I, f- I found it. There okay. Was, the Instagram clip that got us in the comment section that brings us to this moment here. Um, now, how do we do that, Darren? How should I do that? Hmm? Go for it. Oh, just play it? I mean, oh. go, go to it. Yeah. Oh, oh, Darren, you know, he's I do te- what I do, man. Te- technology do what extraordinaire. Do. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready now. Like the grapes that thrive on the vine Oye Mariano's on his So that was, it's a very short, uh, <laughs> very short video. So uh, a lot. Pretty dark video. Yeah, that's rough. But here's the reality. That, con- that, that video obviously sparked a lot of comments from individuals who are like, yeah, you know, that stuff is crazy, those Catholic priests. Um, meanwhile, what locked me into you and your comments was like, while everybody was kind of saying what was true, but making jokes out of it. You were like, hey, nah, but for real, though, what's up with this? <laughs> and this be happening in a bunch of churches. But tell, tell us your thoughts on that. Like, what were you thinking when you first saw that? Sure. So um, first of all, I did think it's fun. I'm a dark humor person. Like, I do love dark humor. I love Dave Chappelle. I think that, you know, <laughs> humor is a great way to tell truth mm-hmm. in a way that's funny and delivered, but makes people think. And so when I thought, of, you know, I saw actually some comments by Christian people kind of um, or people proclaimed to be Christian, they were arguing like that's not the that's not Christ, that's not a reflection of Christ. Like this is this has essentially kind of um, disengaging. We're saying that's religion at its worst. It's not Christians who are actually doing this. They would never do this. And I think mine was to kind of challenge, just in the same way. Um, I kind of argue with Hollywood, where it's like, you know, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. That is a reflection of Hollywood and that kids are being abused in churches and getting away with it. It is a reflection of the church. It's not to say it's a reflection on every Christian, but to not say is kind of be disingenuous. And then I think I argued somewhere in the section I was um, saying, um, like, you you just never really hear about this subject. Like as many years I've grown up in the church, I can't think 
one sermon where we talked about like child abuse or mm. rape or, or sexual abuse. Mm. And like, for me, it's, it's very important because I, I, even as I'm going to volunteer for like, there's a sexual abuse center near me and I'm a volunteer there. I like to volunteer my time there. And it, you, when you realize like the lot of trauma that people go through. And I, when I thought back to that, I'm just like, I've never heard one sermon on that. Mm. Like not one. And that's, scared me and that you know was very alarming and that the fact that more people don't think about that or talk about it's, it's just very alarming mm. yeah were you about to say something no 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 so i think that that can just be um affirmed i think from a factual standpoint we don't mm -hmm. know right yeah. we don't we don't know if people don't preach on that but i can probably i can affirm you from my own experience that that isn't something that's heavily preached on um I'd, I'd probably go even further with frustrations about other things that aren't preached on as much as they should be preached on, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but but with that type of evil, um, that is, and, and it's a reality, and in the fact that, that we, we often see that reality within the confines of some religious context, um, you would hope that it's something that can be preached on, right? It's something that can be held accountable, that can be addressed, so that I think the opposite is what we see. I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what is frustrating is not that that stuff happens and mm -hmm. it doesn't get addressed. I don't think that's what's frustrating. I think what's frustrating is that that stuff happens and it seems like those people get protected. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? I don't think I don't think what ends up happening is you have sexual if, predators. Yeah, right, yeah. You have you mean like in ahead. church? Yeah, yeah. Specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're talking about the Catholic Church? Or are we talking about the church? I, I'm gonna be fair and say it happens all the time, but I I am I am No, I'm I am talking as far as forms believes, of protection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Catholic, the Catholic church, church is extremely yeah, they, they, um, yeah. heavy in that. But I think that's as a human character as, yeah, trait. Yeah. So the church in general, um as you know, they protect people as if they're trying to uh, protect the image of right. the church right. or protect the individual from shame or yeah, yeah. whatever it is. But, but people always find out. <laughs> well, never, not always. It never, it never, I know, but the people who they're protecting, we only know they're protecting them because somebody knows they did it. You see what I'm saying? Um, specifically in, you know, since the, the meme was about a Catholic priest. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? That That's, um, something that people know pretty well. Yeah, um, we've seen documentaries and heard from people. Have you seen what was it called? The Keepers. Have you seen the Keepers? Um, I think I have seen the Keepers. I want to say I have. It's a documentary based in Baltimore, it's, Maryland. Yeah, it's based in our hometown. Um, of mm -hmm. Keogh High School. Okay. Uh, of priests basically molesting the ch the, the, the students, the yeah. girls there. Yeah. Um, and everyone being involved as far as police officers in the city, um, maybe the district attorney, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they and a nun was killed because there was a nun in the in the school that knew. That oh, knew. I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah. I remember because she, she was like in love with the, another priest. Yeah, it was. Very, yeah, that was a very. Oh, yeah, good that's right. She was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah. It was very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, so there was something that you said that jogged my memory to what you and I were discussing in the comment section when, you're, when you were saying that. Wait, real quick. If you are watching this on Instagram, get off. The yeah. only reason I have this on Instagram is so that you can know 
to click the link in the bio and watch this on our Patreon page. And then you can actually see Amber. You can interact with the episode. You can leave comments and things like that. Um, and I promise you it's working. If you did it last time and it wasn't working, it was all Darren's fault. It was not. Um, but we fixed it. We fixed everything. Click the link in the bio. I fixed it. <laughs> Click the link in the bio and go to our Patreon. That's the first, that's the first uh, button uh, after you click the link in the bio. And you will find this episode and you can uh, watch it better than you're watching it on Instagram. Get off. All right. So, yeah, what you and I were talking about was my comment was that this is the, the reality of this type of evil mm-hmm. is a reflection of what is true of humanity and the fact that we are depraved. Now, even though there are Christians that may treat Christianity as a group of individuals who are better inherently than others, that's false. What is true is that it is what Christianity um, proposes is that we are all lost and dark and in need of salvation. And I see a clip like this and even the points you're making, and it seems to be proven that point. Would you think or do you disagree with that? Um, that we're lost and humanity is broken. Is that is that yeah. what you're kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. summarizing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know about um, I think we're imperfect creatures I don't, as far as lost. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say lost, but I think it's just like we're broken creature, imperfect creatures. Right. Like most animals species in this whole universe like we're both we're we're definitely imperfect mm. um but we can be better right and so sometimes we choose not to be and it's not i don't know if that's because of our our nature or if that's because of our own choices right our own contradictions our own fears mm. um so i guess that's how i would answer your question mm. i think yeah i mean yeah there's a lot of good stuff you said in there but i've got a bunch of checks mixed in my mouth yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I guess my only question would be mm-hmm. um, like words like imperfect and mm-hmm. better, um, better. Uh, you know, you said we can do better. We're all imperfect. We're not lost. But it sounds like you have a understanding or a standard for what perfect would be. Mm-hmm. How, what is that? Okay, so the sta- that's a good question. Um, so I actually let's say a lot of my belief systems have kind of been influenced by uh, some religious background. Like, I don't know if you know, a lot of people probably might listen to Jordan Peterson. Hmm. You guys heard of Jordan Peterson? Yeah. So I like a lot of his books. I think he is not a Christian. Like a lot of people want to assign him as a Christian. Yeah. I don't believe he's a Christian. Um, I don't think he's a Christian. I think he has Christian principles. He uses a lot of Christian examples, but I think when it says like, and you're imperfect is like, obviously we could always be getting better in the sense of like, Think about an exercise. You could always be getting stronger. You could always be eating, eating right. So this idea is to always be essentially a goal that's ever moving. Is like you can always be self-improved. Um, you can always be. So, I mean, that's how I, what I take in my personal life is just taking uh, like anything that I could be good at. You can always get better. And that's what this life is. Whether it's you need to learn this new program. You need to do this. You can always be faster, smarter, more aware, more forgiving, more understanding. Mm. Um there's always a goal and it's always moving. And so that's what to me in my life is, is about a self-improvement. It's just continuous. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily by God. It's just the tools you need in life to kind of be able to just exist, hmm. I believe. So I think, so based on that, it would mean that we, it is all pretty much subjective. It's, 
it exists in the subject where mm-hmm. these kind of superlative qualities of good, better, best dwell mm-hmm. within ourselves. And we kind of set that standard and we try to um, exceed those standards that we are setting ourselves. Correct. And like, I think the only uh, monkey wrench in that is that it seems that there's a there is a objective standard that comes into play and this video clip we watched is one of them when we see things like this you don't mm-hmm. find many people who will say man that's good this dude this dude is like molesting children man that's incredible that's good and then not only that when we see that and if there is someone who is bold enough in a group of people to watch that and say that's good Everyone will look at this individual and say something is terribly wrong with this individual. Right. So in that moment, these subjective creatures who are setting their own standards seem to all agree and um, relinquish their subjective standard and point to an objective standard that says that, hey, there is something called good and you are falling beneath it as a child molester. Mm. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I would say the only difference is that I would use an example of like cultural anthropology, right? You yeah. have these tribes off into the mix of, of off islands. I forgot where there's like this one island. It's it's I forgot what it's called, but it's like right off the coast of India and like no mm-hmm. one's allowed there. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, if you looked at that video, would how would they respond? Yeah, right. They wouldn't care. They might not they just still try to kill you with the spear. So our subjective mm. understanding of what is good and right right and wrong, right, is very much influenced by our society. Um, by our upbringing, by the values of that society, right? Mm. Why does that person who actually believes it's right doesn't say anything? He, he fears social um, shame, right? So he's not going to say anything. He might like, hey, I'd do that, but he's not going to say that. Why? Mm. Because of the social standards and the social kind of morals that influence it. Or if he does do it, he does it in a subgroup. So a child molester, there are child molesters, the people that think it's right, they find subgroups on the internet and then they go there and they actually say what they believe. Mm. And so I think that's what influences a lot is that if you looked at other, I don't know, I was very interested in cultural anthropology and you just find out like in different worlds, like that those truths that we believe are universal mm-hmm. are not in fact, when you go to different cultures and different societies, um, you know, child, because like even the idea of child molestation, well, you go into some cultures where like for the long time, Mormons would marry underage girls. What was acceptable by Elvis Presley to marry an underage girl would be outrageous now. Those change over time. So a lot of people were like, nobody said anything about Elvis. Yeah. Um, I think Elvis about- might even feel at home more today, actually. <laughs> 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 you know but hey question so if so so okay the people find their you know reddit groups or whatever reddit chats and mm-hmm. um they find it and they're at home does molestation get transformed to good all of a sudden um so that's a good question i think that i do believe in uh, a universal truth i just don't necessarily believe that god creates that universal truth i think it's saying like i believe in the golden rule so the golden rule is actually not only just uh was argued by Jesus. It was argued by Buddha, and, and there are even signs of it in Hinduism yeah. of just like treating people how you want to be treated, or psychologically looking at the why are the reasons we don't want people to molest children? How mm. like their underage and their lack of mental development actually play a part in how they understand and interpret sexuality, mm-hmm. especially with someone who's so much older than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, going, I, I think they can think it's good all they want. 
Um, I don't agree with them. So, and my thing is like, even with those people in those dark webs, I'm okay living in a world where they, they can agree what they want as so long as, I mean, the only comes point when they start to act on it, right? It's like right. what they do, what they believe, I can't change that. But what they do and how they act and how they, um, you know, predate, like prey on younger children, in particular, oftentimes you see it's with pedophiles, prey on children who have no idea what sexuality is, right? Mm. So don't, you know, it's like, how can I consent to something I don't even know I'm doing? Wow. Yeah. Asking some profound questions, especially with the things that are circling around the day and, and the, um, we believe to be grooming of little children regarding sexuality and, and needing or being kind of forced to make decisions or being enabled to make decisions in ignorance. Yeah. Um, all yeah. those things. But that's probably another podcast episode. Um, did you have anything to say? What she um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I think everything that you just said kind of throws a monkey wrench in all of criminal law. Um, and our justice system. I guess if each individual in their own hub can say what is good and what is bad, then how do we prosecute objectively or how do we even obtain things like justice? Or Because um, if an individual in their own group says, whoa, 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 <laughs> we pedophile things. I don't know what you guys do, but we like it here. Um, how, how does one have a justice system that holds people accountable to what they believe is good, if it's actually good to them. Well, I think that's the justice system we have now. It's not to say we can, you can think, it's saying you can believe whatever you want, but it's, as soon as you go to actions, right? Mm -hmm. There are these rules and laws. So it's it, everybody in this country and that has the right to their own morality, what they believe is right and wrong, Jesus born, this and this and this, but we have laws in order to regulate behavior. It's not about regulating thoughts or beliefs. And so that isn't a monkey wrench because it says you can believe that blessing children is fine, right? But when we make this law, we're basing this, we're basing the law on the amount of evidence, right? We're not just basing on Jesus said, because the Bible doesn't actually not support un marrying underage. Plenty of underage girls got married in the Bible. But what actually is driving the force to protect women and children or, or young boys as well, uh, mm -hmm. so boys, um, from being married or molested is actually probably more than anything that is stressed that is science in the last couple of years. How we analyze the brain, how we look at behaviors and be able to say, okay, these children were molested. How do they fare well psychologically compared to children who were raised in a family that protected their sexuality or had a healthy introduction? So it's really the advancement of belief for me as a big fan of psychology um, is to understand that behavior and the type of personality disorders that we even see a rise in children that, um, particularly women who have been sexually abused, borderline personality um, is a high correlation. Mm. So I think it's saying like, and the justice system I think is understand that is like, when you have these type of debates within the court system, what are they first thing they do? They bring out a lot of psychologists because it, we've got to look more towards science and, and, um, and, and numbers and research versus what isn't isn't said in, in a Bible that in some ways, to be honest, like I would argue that child weddings are OK because mm. of the culture of the time. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I think there's a correlation between two of the things you mentioned regarding the Bible and science. I think both of them require interpretation. Mm. Um, and there's an apologist named Frank Turk who always says that science throughout the course of human history has never uttered a word. But scientists have. Yeah. And that, you know, that's an important distinction because the scientist, as we've seen in the last few years, can have agendas and motivations that 
then uh, lead out and how they interpret this information um, in order to get to a necessary mean or end. I'm sorry, necessary end. And we've seen that with people's biblical interpretations, right? You, um, you have slave Bibles that took out a lot of pages to make sure that the interpretation can justify what they were doing to slaves, slave owners, uh, slave owners and what they were doing to slaves. Um, but I would push back on what you said about the women and things like that uh, in the Bible. I think that the Bible is revolutionary in its uh, lifting up the dignity of women. But I think that people conflate the stories and the narratives. There are different genres of uh, literature in the Bible. So one, you know, if it's a narrative and it's telling a story, then it's just reporting what happened historically rather than condoning, if that you know makes sense. Like I often use the fact, like a Tyler Perry movie. I don't know why, because I hate Tyler yeah, Perry that's movies. A terrible but I'm just saying though, I, I'm just saying though, if 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 we use that logic for a Tyler Perry movie, that means that Tyler Perry is for rape, child abuse, beating women, because they're in his movies, right? Rather than us being able to stand back and say, okay, he's telling a story. How do I interpret within that context? And it's the same thing that we would do with scripture when you're coming against the different genres. Um, and so and then to your point, you said that that culture devalued women um, and held women in low regard. Meanwhile, it is only the only reason there are Christians today celebrating a Resurrection Sunday is because the story was relayed through women in, in, in the Bible. That's a very terrible plan if you're lying to people because the Jewish, um, Babylon, uh, the Jewish Talmud, or yeah, I think the Jewish Talmud, uh, said that the testimony of women is uh, noth nothingness. It's not to be trusted. And so why on earth would these biblical writers say that, hey, it was women who reported Jesus to have been resurrected and the women who told the disciples. Secondly, um, you hear sermons preached today about submission and things like that. And in our culture, that gets the women riled up where it's like, nah, man, I don't want to hear that. But back in the day, the sermon that would have done that is what Paul told men to view women as their own bodies and to die for them. That was, the that was a controversial subject because the, the husband is like, I mean, what? I mean, she's here for my needs. She's here for my use and my benefit. And, you know, and that'll be it. That'll be the end of it. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You, you're entru she's entrusted to your care and shepherding. And not only that, you're to love her the same way that you've been shepherded and loved, which means you die for her on a daily basis. Die to your desires. Die to your preferences. You know, all those things for her benefit and for her flourishing. That is largely revolutionary when it comes to women viewed in ancient time. I mean, if, if that's true, would you would you agree with that at all? Um, I think uh, I do make a distinction between, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I do think that Jesus in many ways was revolutionary in many of his ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jesus as a revolutionary, obviously love your neighbor, not, you know, uh, not obeying the Sabbath rules. Um, talking to prostitutes, forgiving. Obviously, he's a revolutionary. So I would say, yes, in spite of like the Jesus and his revelations of God's plan, definitely like enlightened women and and saw women on a higher plane. I would not necessarily say the Old Testament with it, definitely not. I would say did not enlighten or um, progress women in, within that society any more than I would say Islam did that. Um, some, some, but I don't, you know, I'm not a Muslim and I'm not, it's not necessarily attacking it. I was just saying, I don't see that. 
Um, I understand why some women who want to believe in God or the, the Bible, just like some women want to believe in Islam, but I don't see, I mean, due to the limited stories about women, the limited roles about women, um, the kind of double standards throughout, particularly the Old, Old Testament with women. Like what? Um, like, I mean, even the whole notion of Leviticus of women being raped and having to marry the rapist. Like you have a mm. lot of double standards. Whereas like with women, especially their sexuality regarding their bodies and how they're treated versus men. Right. Um, so, I mean, definitely in that kit, where, who can be leaders? Who listens to God? Who actually speaks to God? Mm -hmm. You know, if we understand, it's, I think it's kind of acceptable. We understand, oh, like men are the leaders and, and God speaks through them. I mean, you have some like the judge, like Deborah, I would say she's probably stands out as a judge of, of, of women, as a judge of, uh, of uh, Israel. the Israelites. But, mm -hmm. um, for the most part, you don't see women in those positions. And that does mean something. Just as if, you you know, it's like, just as, you know, the same thing as if we see constantly only white people, like when the Mormons only had white people and black people couldn't be elders. And it does mean something. It reflects something. Now they could say all they want. You can still join our church, right? But you can't be our elders. What does that mean then? Mm -hmm. It means you're not on the same level as us, that God has a special connection with us in a way that he doesn't have with you guys because of something wrong with you. Mm. And I think that as growing up in the church, that was something that kind of resonated with me. It was just like very much this notion in the Old Testament where you have Jesus and he is progressive in his opinions of women, but the Old Testament definitely is, is not in my opinion. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think naturally, um, I think there was a lot. There's a lot that was said, I think, that is misunderstood. <clears throat> and I think that on the surface, so like an example, the example you gave in Leviticus, um, or I believe, I believe uh, it's in Numbers, what you're referring to. But, but either way, uh, you know, that, that's, such a, that's, a, that's a very quick statement where a woman gets raped and has to marry a rapist. Obviously, if that is what we're talking about, then yes, that's awful. That's pretty awful. But then I think the question, what begs the question is, is that what we're talking about? Is that what happens? Is that what takes place? Um, and I think that there's more to be dug at when it comes down to the way that they're describing uh, situations where it's like a woman who is uh, attacked but is silent and no one hears her in the town. How do we interpret that versus when it says a woman who is attacked and they hear her in the town, you know, and things like that? Mm -hmm. um, how do we interpret that from an ancient context? Uh, and, I, and I believe that if we interpret that accurately, then you do not conclude that it is saying a woman, when she gets raped, has to marry her rapist. Um, that's not, that's not what that's saying. Um, now, I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, also, I, I would say a distinction and a, a very important one. Um, when it comes to Islam... <clears throat> Is that Islam is the report of one dude and the God that he is supposedly worshiping is has a very low view for women. So Allah in 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 the uh uh man. What is the Quran? Good grief. And Allah in the Quran has a lot of problematic views towards women and so therefore a, an obedient muslim has to have a very low view of women 
I would not say that as a case for for a Christian. And even we could use Old Testament things, uh, Old Testament scenarios, going back to that narrative, right? You have in Genesis, you have um, Hagar, who is treated like an object. Who's treated like an object. Not only is she treated like an object, she's, she's not treated like an object by a man. She's treated like an object by a woman, going back to that human issue. We have a human issue here. Sarah can't have children. She tells her husband, hey, go have a child with this woman. That's my slave. And Abraham is like, okay. And so he does that. Hagar gets pregnant. Now Sarah is regretting it. And she starts treating her terribly to the point where Hagar has to flee. And then the only one who greets and sees her and speaks to her is Yahweh himself. Right. So. Even though we don't have the, the uh, phrase or give the term um, prophet, right, or council member to someone like a Hagar, that's a part of a prophetic profile to be able to commune and speak with the Lord himself. That's very significant. And so I think there's a distinction between what's actually being shared in the scriptures versus what tradition shows us. And then that gets even cut even more and reduced to what we actually experience at the hands of flawed human beings who might even have more love for their religion than they do the God it points yeah, to. Absolutely. Hmm. So, um, but, I, you know, when you, when you, were you about to say something? I was, but it's gone. Okay. Long gone. Uh, idiot. <laughs> uh, when, um, Long gone. <laughs> when, like, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Like, yeah. and I think we, I think we told, I think we talked about this or maybe I told this to you. Maybe I was just thinking about yeah. it. But, Every church has flaws. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the church is, prag, prag, practically speaking, the church is flawed. It still has sinful human beings um, and a mix of them who, are, who are, have either been actually cleansed and their lives transformed, still make mistakes, but they actually hate the flaws and the mistakes they make. And I'm not talking about mistakes like tripping and scribbling when they write. I'm talking about mistakes like slander, like uh, abuse, like, you know drugs though like human brokenness but they hate them now that's the transformation that's a mark of the transformation and they're mixed with individuals who like the idea of being perfect so they have to conceal the fact that they're not perfect meanwhile their savior is their own hands their own deeds that's that legalism the fair say and when i think about the the background you come out of yeah man in my experience it's filled with the latter not all Mm. not all but in such a heavily religious context, there is a lot of love for the religion rather than the God it points to. I want you to comment on that real quick. But, but let me say this last thing, because you said you mentioned the Sabbath. What Jesus, what Jesus wasn't revolutionizing the Sabbath. What he was showing is that Israel and its leaders took following the Sabbath as their sole joy and love to be able to say, I followed it. And they loved being able to say that more than the God they were meant to spend time with during the Sabbath. And so Jesus is saying the Sabbath actually wasn't made for that. It was made, man wasn't made to be held in captivity to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man so that you would know the God of the Sabbath. That's the whole point. And whenever we get our hands on something that God tells us to do, which is good, we have an opportunity to make it swell and it turns into abuse. But yeah, what are your thoughts about any of, the, any of those things I said? Um, 
No, I, I, I mean, I thought that was a very interesting perspective on uh, the Sabbath and, and, and the clarity. Um, but I think you, you asked me another question. Yeah, uh, the Pentecostal which, thing. Yeah, the whole Pentecostal what, thing. What was that so, like? I mean, if at your discretion, I don't know. I don't want you to like rag on it, but however you feel yeah. like. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, it was a lot of, I think what happens right with any organization. So like church of God in Christ, that's a big organization. Oh, man. Right? So you have to start with, it was like, it started off, it started off as a storefront. I think Bishop Charles Mason was the founder and you know, it's like, right. Something Joseph Smith wasn't the same as the Mormon church today. What happens when an organization, when it, uh, with a religion or a faith becomes an organization. Right. It's kind of like small business. And then all of a sudden they become corporate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of different changes. Everything mm -hmm. becomes a lot of rules, regulations and a, and a motive. Where, where are our goals? What is our who are our leaders? It's very clearly defined. And so I think like it was in the same where it I grew up in a relatively small church. It was my father's church. and Most of my family's member were in it. But he was part of a greater organization. Right. So we go to conventions. I saw it all, I mm. think. I've seen people that I know sincerely Christian. Um, one of the most people that I look up to profoundly, my my little brother. He's he's a, a great speaker, and I've always known him to be a consistent man of his beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, and he just stands out to me as just growing up with him and seeing him, and and never really strayed from that. So that has been his testimony. Um, but I've also seen a lot of people where it's just as, as a corporation, the church I feel doesn't know how to deal with things, right? It makes a lot of it, it's not evolving because in many ways, uh, in many ways, I think the church is a symbol of order. Like Jordan Peterson talks about this order versus chaos. Right. The world is chaos. Liberalism is chaos. But this this church has so much order that they don't know how to deal or evolve with different issues. And those issues are, of course, regarding sexuality. Those issues are, of course, regarding abortion, those uh, women's rights. What is her role in the church? How do women change? What does that mean now when we say be submissive? Um, so it's like, it's not evolving quickly enough. And you're seeing a lot of just people stuck in their ways. You're seeing a lot of contradictions into generational gaps, right? What I believe is important for my generation versus what you believe or how you interpret the Bible based on your beliefs. You know, when you were a little kid in the early like 1930s or something, you know? So like, it's, I saw a lot of that and I just saw a place where for me, I felt like I just couldn't grow here. Mm. Um, growing, you know, it's, I can't grow here. I can't, it's not, it's very limiting. Yeah. It's not ready to ask questions or really be challenged. Uh, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. And I, and I hate that. And I'm sorry that that's the case. Um, but, and you know, this, like, I know we're recording and things like that. I don't really care about that, mm -hmm. but do know that you and I, and, our contact that we have now is not primarily for us to do this episode. I want you to be able to use it whenever you want. We can continue to grow in, in relationship with one another, um, chop things up, get each other's perspective, semi-chew each other out in other comments, sections. But uh, like this is, not, this is not a project of ours at all. So um, I would love to be able to talk more about those things just privately because I, you know, I think we've gone through some of the same stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's the, yeah, I really hate that. But I do want to get your thoughts on some other um, things that we uh, talked about before we move on. But um, that, that reality uh, regarding things evolving and things changing, um, 
it's kind of like open-mindedness and closed-mindedness, right? In our society, there is this kind of generalized belief that open-mindedness is inherently good just as much as evolving is inherently good and moving with the times is inherently good. And I think a microcosm of that that incorporates both of them um, would be marriage. Now, people mm. may have their you know beliefs and things like that, but for me right now, without talking about the higher level of what marriage is, which I believe is created by God, but practically, even if people right to, tomorrow mm. expect me to move with the times in my marriage, and therefore mm. tomorrow there's people who want me to join them in some sexual orgy, or they just want me to start courting a woman along with my wife, I won't be moving. Now, there are a lot of people who would agree with that microcosm that, hey, it's actually good that you not only are you standing firm in this principle in your marriage, but you're closed minded too regarding your marriage. My mind was open when I was dating, but it was only open so I could close it on something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are times where um, movement and versatility is good. You've, growth is good. Um, but it's contextual, right? It's, it's, it's about when is that happening? How is it happening? And what's the context in which it's happening? Because I won't be moving with the times when it comes to my wife um, and how I view her as my wife, as a part of me and a covenant that we're in, not a contract, a covenant that we're in together. Yeah. Um, and my mind will remain closed in that matter, right? And I think that can inform some of the things that we look at to determine, hey, is it good for me to actually continue moving with the way the world is moving on this just because the world is moving and it says it's good to move with the world? Or are principles good in this, in this situation? And I think that's a deeper conversation because then if we start talking about sexuality and things like that, we have to get to the purpose. What is it? What is its end goal? And then we can start determining what's good and bad just like the only way we know an interception or a touchdown is good is because we know the rules of the game and the whole point. We know the whole point. That's how we can determine things like the Redskins and Pittsburgh Steelers sucking. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to, so I want to talk about um, the police brutality and the BLM narrative. I, can you, do you remember what that post was when you brought that up? Hmm. I can't remember. I really can't. Yeah, I because I, I it was one you made, right? It wasn't me. I don't. I thought so. Oh, uh, 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 maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, but um, because it wasn't my comment, it was someone else's yeah. comment. It was, yeah, some, it was really. someone else's comment, and you said something, and I was like, "Yeah, man, we need to talk about that." <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> but way to go! Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There it is, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but but what we can, but there's still stuff to talk about. Like so, what yeah. are, the, these past two years, or has it been three years? I can't even. I'm losing track. <laughs> these past yeah. few years, what have been your thoughts on the, the this narrative um, of black people, black black people in America, white people, the relationship, racism, police? Where are you with all of this? Well, that's a good question. I'll try to simplify it. Yeah, I know it's a lot. Go. It's a lot. Yeah. So I'm a history major. I had an MA in history. And yeah, so I have, I studied actually British history, but I've studied all different types of history. So I had a bachelor in history and a master's in history. And I went, I lived in Wales and I studied British history in particular, early modern Europe, but I love history. It was a real passion of my dad. It was a real passion of my family mm -hmm. and African American history was very important for them. And so I think that 
this whole Black Lives Matter uh, thing is like, I support the notion. Um, that doesn't mean I support everything. The organization itself, the leaders and, and their views or riots, I think that it's saying just like Christian, uh, you can support the narrative that Black Lives Matter and that they have historically not mattered in this country. Mm-hmm. And that people getting offended at Black Lives Matter didn't say, you know, a lot of it I felt was reactive where all lives matter. Well, why are you, you weren't saying this before I said Black Lives Matter. It's almost like saying, you know, oh, little girls matter. Boys lives matter too. We're not talking uh, about that. Uh, I'm it, 100% in agreement. Yeah. yeah, it's like a reaction. And so I think like I'm, as far as the organization, I feel like the organization has a lot of flaws as far as execution and like, and and to know what, what exactly are we executing here and the organ, um, the strategic goals of the movement is problematic. But I think as far as understanding historically, they black lives have not mattered in this country. And the conservatives are hilarious because on the one hand, they'll tell us how much history matters, right? Abraham Lincoln, the founding fathers. You can't then go to turn to a whole bunch of minority people and say history matters, but not your history. Because our history as African-Americans is riddled not just with 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 great things as well, right? Great Frederick Douglass, amazing heroes, mm-hmm. but it's also riddled with, in particular, America, a lot of disadvantage. It's the Scottsboro case, you know, African American men being lynched, mm-hmm. um, not being allowed to intermarry, um, having to live by these separate rules. And so, I love Henry Louis Gates Jr. because he's a great Harvard historian, and he, I don't know where he stands on Black Lives Matter, but he takes enough to time to let people know where they came from and their roots. Like even how I remember I had a, a conversation with my friend, he's European and he was saying like, what's the root of your name? I'm like, well, actually it's a British name. And he's like, you're not British made a joke. I said, of course not. But if I look far enough, I know my family's from Kentucky and they're slaves and and that's a part of our history. And so I think the, the whole organization was done with good intentions. Um, I think s- s- police brutality is an issue as far um, within the communities because you're having a lot of people outside of these communities coming within and policing these people where we have a rough history, no different than like Irish and English people have a rough history. Black and white people have a rough history within this country and to act like it doesn't exist isn't helping anyone. Mm. And then we have these disparities between like the governing, again, white people governing or ruling over uh, a community in which they are not invested in or may not live in. It's, it's just, an accident ready to happen. Essentially, as if you're taking an English officer and putting him in Ireland, like you're going to have a history of wounds, of abuse that are problematic. Mm. Um, and so that is my, more my view. Uh, I don't hate all police officers. I'm not a big fan of defund the police um, or anything like that. I do think, I believe in reformation, like reforming these police officers, education, the importance of education. I think, you know, the amount of money we spend on the system being like you talking about reform is just the amount of money we just on prisons versus educational centers or health centers, mental health centers within these communities. And so that really is my view is that black lives do matter. It's just a saying you don't like it. Okay. Like not you, but I'm saying if anyone doesn't like it, it's like, what does it have to do with you? Like, then don't say, you know, um, it's like if someone said Muslims lives matter, Christian, I don't care. Okay. I'm not, you know, I, a lot of it is just a, reaction that I don't understand why people are getting so upset about it. Um, But it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're in, we're as far as the reactionary aspect, we are in a hundred percent agreement. 
Yeah. As a matter of fact, we said that um, I hate the fact that the once uh, statement of reality has turned into an actual organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's what it was. And I think um, like I would always call Christians to be mindful of what their responsibility is to any human to regard mm -hmm. them as more significant than themselves. And then also to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, and so I think everybody, if they, I would always give the example, if my wife came to me and said, Brandon, you know, I've been having a hard day. And then I say, oh, I've been having a hard day. People would assume that there's something I have against her or I'm not valuing about her in that moment. Mm -hmm. But just by my yeah. response, just by my response, it doesn't matter whether or not my response is true. It doesn't matter whether or not her response is true. Just the fact that I decided to respond in such a way rather than listen and then be intrigued by what she said um, is unloving in and of itself. Uh, but we also do believe that that statement has grown legs and those legs walk around only around the streets of Washington, D.C. now <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of writings and, and other things building on it and everything else. And I believe that that actual thing, this organization that is uh, over time just been deteriorating morally um, has caused a lot of harm that doesn't get recognized. I thought I just remembered the post, but I don't now. Um, oh, I think it was an abortion post. Was it the abortion post where the girl was like, F those kids? That yeah. wasn't it, was it? Well, I don't know. That was a different one, though. But I do remember that one. Oh, that was a different one? Okay. Okay, I don't remember. But but yeah, you know, and um there is a there's an aspect that a lot of black Americans are uh are frustrated with, myself included, Darren included, where it says that the recognition of what is re re real in history mm -hmm. is something that we're actually all familiar with and we're at the point now where we want to see growth from that. And what we've been seeing is just a constant reminder of it that kind of just keeps us sterilized from growth and just writhing in anger and pointing at other opponents and saying, it's your fault, your fault. Meanwhile, we aren't growing and we are still celebrating a culture that destroys one another. And people are mm. frustrated with it. Thomas Sowell talks about how you mentioned the Scots and Irish like they have a history of a lot of very dark beginnings and then disparities, right? Yeah. But he does this kind of walkthrough that says that, but then you can always go to a point where they overcome those. And not only did they overcome it, have now created a, a whole different wave of flourishing that exists. And he says, but you get to black culture in America. He's focusing only on America, where even when you have pockets of that existing in America, it's seen as being anti-black by mm. black Americans. Right. Yeah. Why, why on earth would that be a part of our culture to celebrate finitude and lack of growth? Like that's just so it's so frustrating. And then on top of that, you have big corporations, both black and white, that are saying, yeah, you're held down. You're incapable. You can't do this. You can't do that. And it's their fault. Be angry. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. Stay right there. I so think a bunch of, you know, placebos like, you know, changing street signs to Black Lives Matter and painting yeah. on the street. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, my uh, 
I don't know. The thing that I'm most annoyed by is just that. So you have, you know, with COVID-19, right, all you see is a reminder and this, you know, I don't know, repetitive. They all use the same phrases on, on the news. You got the, like you mentioned on CNN with the, uh, the counter. Oh, yeah, the COVID. Making ticker. sure people know how many people are dying from COVID, right? No, getting COVID, catching COVID. Real, you know, CNN had the COVID death counter, too. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, The cases are going up and up and up and up and up and up. And so when you're constantly reminded of that, you're living in fear. And just like with this, you know, that's terrible. Just Why like, you got me on there, man? I, I know. I'm sorry. That's sloppy. That's messed up. But uh, <laughs> um, here we go. Boom. So just like with BLM, they, they, you know, you know they, they're never going to talk about the amazing strides this country has made since the civil rights movement. They're not going to talk about that. Um, we get a month of Black History Month, which is fake. You know, now they want to talk about Juneteenth, which I haven't heard of since last year, maybe. Um, and those are placebos. They're not really doing anything. But they don't want to talk about and remind us, hey, look, this is where we were. Look at where we are now. They're not going to do that. Um, because they want us to remember the hatred. They want us to believe that America today is just as racist as the Jim Crow South. Um, and some people believe that, and I completely disagree. Um, it couldn't be further from the Jim Crow South. And the conversation obviously doesn't progress. It doesn't improve if someone is unwilling to admit any truth. Yeah. And they yeah. say... Everything regarding this conversation is false. Right. And it's like, la, 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 la. you know, yeah. people, people, <laughs> they know our, they know our podcast, they know our page to be very conservative, very faith filled. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll, they'll come and they'll make certain statements. Like one guy on a comment made a statement said, yeah, man, that's right. I forget what I posted. Like, yeah, man, that's right. Racism doesn't exist. And that's I'm like, well, that's. Yeah, that's too much. I mean, what world do you live in? Obviously, racism exists. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't believe it is inherent and exclusive to white people. Right. I believe, no. it, I yeah. believe it's a human issue. Yeah. And um, when we look at the narrative today, not only are they giving this false idea of victimhood and a sense of inability to black Americans, but they're also, it seems to be, intentionally dragging them away from principled roots and, and, and uh, belief systems that black Americans have had mm-hmm. for a lot of, for a lot of, lot of years, centuries. Yeah. When it comes to family, right? Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter as an organization was anti-nuclear family. They were explicit about that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to um, marriage, we believe that marriage is most beneficial when it exists in the context of its purpose, and that is with husband, wife, and children. But outside of the sexuality and homosexual thing, that's not what I'm referring to, even though that, that, you know, there, we have beliefs against that as well. But when it comes to the, the context of marriage, well, what I'm saying is we see from our context of where we're from in Baltimore mm-hmm. that women mm-hmm. get celebrated and women get... In, um, uh, it's perpetuated for women to be alone yeah. through the welfare system right. where you get rewarded for not having a, man <laughs> a, in a father in the house. Yeah. You get paid and it's like, hey, look, 
It's just you, woman, and daddy government. That's all we need. It's us against the world, baby girl. It's just <laughs> us against the world. <laughs> and it's like, man. And so then we start looking at like gang violence and we start looking at school literacy and we start and it's like this over time seems to be deteriorating at an exponential rate and the issues or the roots aren't being addressed at all but what we are still doing is we are marching in the streets while still killing each other even during the marching (laughs) oh no i don't remember it but i do remember mentioning david dorn i think i mentioned that to you david dorn during a black lives matter riot yeah 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 right um, where was that in Kenosha? St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Um, he was a he's a, a former uh, police officer who was guarding the store of a friend because during these riots, everybody felt it was necessary destroy to destroy their, their own, own community. community. Yeah. And he was murdered. <laughs> he was murdered. And he's not the only one. There were children who were murdered, caught in crossfires and things like that. And it's like. Obviously, look, the, it's d- depravity, it's brokenness, we get that. But what fueled that stuff is the main narratives on the TV saying, be angry, and not only be angry, but be unsettled and go and destroy your communities. And guess what? It was a lot of non-black voices saying that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Lastly on this thing, and, and, and if you want to interject and say something, I'll give yeah. you space to say it. Lastly on this thing. The individuals who are promulgating all of this stuff today have political ideologies that are foreign to historic black American families. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, we look at heroes in the past and they were all conservatives with specific values. Republicans, even more specifically, even though those names today, Republican, Democrat, mm-hmm. I mean, what do they mean? What is it? What is it even really? You know, but yeah. whatever. But that's still a point to be made. And those values have been usurped by only one side that seems to be trying to reorient the narrative to say, yeah, man, Republican means white and it means Southerner and it means racist. So therefore, your history really is Democrat. But if we look at history at Democrat run cities, black people have wrote rap songs about trying to get up out of there for years. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I said a lot. <laughs> well, that's responsive. I'm, I'm gonna try to try to keep go, go quickly. Uh, yeah, go. Now, um, so I, I think I feel like in some ways there were generalizations, right? When you're saying like, okay, Black Lives Matter is against the nuclear family. I think that's a very broad generalization. Well, that was and on their say, website. There was that organization well, that was their mission. Or the founders whatever. wrote that. The founders on wrote that on their yeah. website. Oh, Rogers wrote that. Yeah, on yeah. their website. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's like even how much of the founders now have there's so many different chapters of Black Lives Matter. It's like I think it's saying sometimes it's saying like um, people use defunding. What they mean is reformation. I do. I would question that because it's like I know people that say they belong to that organization who don't mean that they mean to be more inclusive. Right. So are you against the nuclear family if you say we want it to be more inclusive? of different types of families that have always been, because as I mean, the history of African-Americans hasn't been a nuclear family, right? We've been always a battered, shattered family in America, whether it be father is sold on the other plantation, it's never existed for us. And that, and, and from the origins, now have we, in, obviously in the 1930s, 40s, you had more black families, mm-hmm. but it's never been black and white, I feel like, um, as far as like, oh, these strong, always communities of, you know, black, um, 
black husbands and black wives and this perfect, it's never been like, that's not the history of marriage in this country for any race. And that's not the history of marriage in particular for black people. Um, I might disagree with that, but I'll let you, I'll let you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm sorry. But but I, I think it's just saying like, it started fragmented. Our community started fragmented in many ways. And from there, it's just the brokenness. I think they don't, a lot of people within these communities who, who fail to take responsibility for their lives um, and you know can point fingers, they don't necessarily need uh, uh, something on the TV telling like, this is to blame. They already blame that because they just live in a history of squall. I was raised middle-class values, both of my parents, different set of values. But if you are raised in the hood and that's all you've ever known, um, you don't need much to trigger you versus, I, I just think you just don't need much to trigger you versus, how you raise what values, you know, you work your mom is a, is, is a single mom. She, you don't, I don't think you need a lot to actually blame people. Um, I think some of the black lives matter movement has used, um, the history to definitely warp and make people upset. Um, and some people just want to get, or, or have just as a reminder. So I think it's like, it's also how you interpret it because I think sometimes we only tell black people, like get over your history. We don't tell Jews that. Um, we don't tell the you know Ukrainians that. We don't tell Russians that. We tell, but we tell Black people get over your history. I have no um, doubt that a lot of people just uh, use their history to avoid responsibility. Say this: the white man blame the white man, um, blame this person, blame this person. Those are individual cases. Like you just can't. Those are just people that decide to do that. But I don't necessarily think that's always the message or was maybe essentially the goal of Black Lives Matter is saying like, just use your past hurt as an excuse. Mm. Um, but people will be people and use as an excuse. It's no different than there are some people that, Jewish people who every time you say anything about the community or anything about Israel, anti-Semitic, right? Those people exist and they always will exist um, because that's those are just people that fail to take responsibility. Yeah. Um, as far as I think like the whole I don't know. I think a lot of times, like, I'll just address this thing. I think a lot of times with the conservative party, I thought about this for a while. I was like, the problem with the conservative party is that they won't make concessions that it's oftentimes even exist. They're that guy in the comment who says racism died and they won't mention the fact that, or they won't even bring up issues, right? If you want to, you just want to talk about abortion and you just want to talk about homosexuality, but you don't want to deal with, okay, well, how can we, talk about what happens to that child after it's born, educational reform. How many Republicans stand up and talk about educational reform? Yeah. Best believe if they did, I would, jo- I t- to me, I tend to, people vote based on some of their top priorities, right? So I, I tend to vote more liberal. And that's because, hey, I'm black, I'm, I'm a woman, I am gay. So it's like all of those things kind of, I'm like, ah, I gotta evaluate which one I wanna do, like which one's gonna, which one are they gonna hit today? Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily that I want to do that. But it's you have to do it based on like if you feel like one party won't even give anything to it. Um, and so the Republicans have could have a great stand, could could actually address things and change things. And if they were just willing to give something to the other side to say, we're going to address educational reform. We just don't care about dead babies. We care about the babies after they're born. Yeah. We care about health care. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we will acknowledge that racism existed and. And that historically, we're, you, when you learn about the history of America, you're not going to hear about those black and brown people. You hear about a lot of white dudes. I don't mind hearing about white dudes, but come on, guys, we got to expand it. And so their inability just to give a little bit 
has destroyed the party and made, I think oftentimes black people go, I know with even my parents, right? They'll go, um, they oftentimes did consider like voting Republican based on the moral values of the Republican party. But then when they saw their inability to even address racism, guess where they went? You know, they're gonna uh, now like look more liberal. Yeah, it's like uh, they're gonna, you know, like, okay. They're, they're going to say, well, wait a minute, you're not even gonna address the black issue. You're not gonna address it. Um, they're then would they they were forced to go, oh, well, I'll consider some more democratic people because at least these people seem to understand that racism is an issue it, or has been one in my experience. And I think that, and I'd be fair, there are ones who are genuinely, um, that's, that's a passion of theirs. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think that over time, it has been mm-hmm. raised to an art form to present yourself as one who cares as a Democrat. Because you know it's mm-hmm. easy, yeah. it's low-hanging fruit, right? Absolutely. A- and um, they run on that. We've heard it. We grew up around it. We only grew up around Democrats. Um, and we, we've, we've tried to have meetings with them <laughs> when we're in need. Yeah. And we get shunned by them because we're objects. Not to all, but to the ones with the boisterous voices and the slogans that say, I can count on you next year because you black dog. And Mm -hmm. I don't have to say much. I don't have to say much. Um, And one thing I'm very disappointed in when it comes to Christians is how much hope they've been putting in politicians in general, uh, just in general. But what were you going to say, Darren? First, I was going to say, you know, a lot of the things you mentioned, abortion. um, What was the other thing you mentioned? You mentioned uh, you said that the Republican Party um, won't even address these things, abortion, uh, race, all those kind of things. I would I would you know, I, I would hate for Republicans or Democrats to take that full on. I don't think it's the responsibility of politicians. They're always going to blow it. Um, yeah, that's a, a, a that's the responsibility of the church. Um, those moral issues, they've become political issues. But those the people that are saying, you know, um, the fringe people, you know, racism doesn't exist. Uh, abortion. You know what I mean? So the, the, yeah. the it, they need to be pastored. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, that's the responsibility of the church to handle things like abortion. When well, and historically, it, it has been the responsibility. Yeah. And, and when you leave responded. it to, you know, p- politicians, they're not going to talk about it, especially no. Republican Party. They're not going to mention they, they don't want they understand the climate and because they always try to appear good, they don't want to bring yeah. up race because they know their party is going to shut down whatever race things that they can try to fix. Um, they're going to shut it down because they want to, they want to look good and, and blameless. They don't even want to mention black people, the old white people. They don't want to mention it because they know it's going to smear their name in the political sphere. And that's why we can't trust them. Yeah. Um, we're conservatives, but not Republicans. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and another thing, um, Kind of the you were mentioning kind of you know something that we can do or something that we can kind of expect in the middle of the road rather than um, you know not doing anything at all and to me you know you're saying not mentioning race at all and then you got the Democrats some of them doing the most um, yeah yeah some yeah. of them some of them I know in Minnesota better thespians than you I'm telling you <laughs> in Minnesota <laughs> in Minnesota the they actually wanted to get rid of police yeah. They yeah. were they were chant, they weren't talking about defunding the police. They were saying, you know, get them out of Abolish, here. Abolish, yeah. Abolish the police. I mean, how insane. So that's that's what I mean by the fringe minority on either poll. There's no racism yeah. and then get rid of the police. 
But in the middle, here's where our frustration is. I think George Floyd is what sparked a lot of this. The beginning, right? That was George Floyd. Yeah, I guess. The rehashing of it, the reminder right before the elections, of course, is George Floyd, right? And what we saw coming from Baltimore City was an opportunity to go, these police are corrupt. Yeah. Fix this. Yeah, they need training, and you need to weed out the ones who aren't willing to value human life. I remember watching the video going... Look at this clown and how he's looking so yeah. smug. Yeah, and you're not even talking about the dude with the knee. I'm talking about the Asian you're guy. You're talking about the, the guys protecting him. I'm like, they're smug and they're cowards. Yeah. They're letting a man lay on the ground and die because they, yeah. they, they wanna they wanna back the blue. Yeah. Get that out of here. You don't work for the blue. You yeah, work, you for, work me. for the people. And you work yeah. for him that you're kneeling on. That's yeah. And, and this so, is the pro- and, oh, you and, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that as a country should have unified us. Right. And it did in that moment until they go. It's because he's racist. Yeah. And now you got black people against white people. And now the police situation never gets touched. Now we still yeah. got corrupt police officers out here killing people. Yeah. And nothing's being done because we didn't really address the, the yeah, yeah, real yeah. issue, which is these inner cities Power. are over-policed mm-hmm. by, like you said, police officers who don't even live in their communities, who don't even know the communities. Mm-hmm. They're there for power. They're there with their egos. They're there. And they've gotten away with all this stuff before. Yeah. The person who's their boss is also a loser. And so none of that stuff ever gets touched. But guess what? We got statues of George Floyd. So now we're good. Mm, That's a problem. Yeah. Um, That was fire. I spit that. I spit that. Uh, Good job. (laughs) No, that was, yeah, no, that's a, that's a big, obviously you can tell that's a big passion of ours only because the narrative um, that is circling around the country and has been circling is what we come from it's who we are right mm-hmm. you, you know because the middle the middle class black american is kind of lost in the sauce you know you don't mm-hmm. you're not a, you don't get to be a part of the narrative it's the, it's the impoverished one from the hood that we need to lift up and you know ain't got the internet <laughs> we don't have the phones and we like what we right. had internet right, right, um, right, right. not only did we have internet all my boys had internet when right. internet came like i mean what is this i don't understand what this is and so we get frustrated with that because we also recognize that there were things afforded to us that we can begin to sow as seeds in black communities and teach um, when, it comes to, when it comes to family, when it comes to values, when it comes to school, right? When it comes to all of these things that gets pushed and ignored just so that we can continue perpetuating this cycle of um, destruction that happens Mm-hmm. While trying to, I guess, pseudo enforce uh, or, or uh, enforce change in yeah. some way. I mean, politically, if, if we actually fix the problem, we wouldn't have a need for politicians. Politicians. Yeah. And they don't want that. No. <laughs> no. But hey, we're running low on time. Um, there was something you said in the beginning when you mentioned, uh, like, before you had a relationship, or maybe that was you and my conversation. I don't know. But. You like in the past, you had a relationship with Jesus. You experienced the Holy Spirit, and you, you matriculate through that, and you realize, okay, none of this, none of this is true. Um, this is what I just want. I want. I want to leave you with, and this is sort of related to my journey, and that there was nothing I related to with anybody at church um, except for the music. I mean, mm-hmm. certain songs just connect. I like music, uh, and then that was it. I was trying to get a comfortable spot so I can go to sleep on the pew, and um, but what changed? Is what I said about Jesus. Who is he? I think that is the most important question. The most important question 
um, aren't, aren't the weeds that we get lost in in Scripture. They're significant. And the conversation is significant, especially because as broken human beings, we've taken those minor things and we've made them swell to primary things only for them to be abused. But getting back to brass tacks, there's one person that the entire book of the Bible, bunch of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses from independent eras at independent times during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. And they all point to one major event. And that event is claimed as historical. And so if it is true that this Palestinian came and died and he rose from the dead, then there are implications on our lives regarding that. I think we just need to start there. What is the statement about Jesus? What is our statement about Jesus? Do we believe he existed and do we believe him to be a liar or do we believe he existed and he was insane? Um, if he's a liar and insane, then we can't actually adhere to anything he taught. We can't call it good because he's insane, so we can't trust him. Or he's a liar, and so he's not good. And so, or he's actually Lord. And so, those are the things I think we just need to deal with. And 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 in in that question, after answering that question, we're either on a journey. In my opinion, we're on a journey of growing in everything else and understanding it which we understand ourselves more, or if it turns out not to be true, literally, do what you will. Um, every man for himself. Even the things that kind of matter to me, well, they won't matter anymore as soon as someone bigger and stronger or smarter than me comes because they're just going to utilize their strength or their intellect or their speed. And there's not any actual standard that gets broken as a result of that. It's not really wrong. Um, and that's just the way our world will be. So I just want to leave you with that. And what I said earlier, at any point, if you're like, hey, I read this thing and it's stupid. Let me get your thoughts on it. Feel free. I love these things. I love these things. Yeah. And since we are mirror twins, uh, did, hey, did you ever watch Friends? Uh, not really. Not oh, okay. really. I never okay. really. All right. Oh, never man. mind. Dad. I had the hand twin, hand <laughs> oh, twin reference. But since we are mirror twins, I'm grateful to have met you. Um, but then even more than that, they are very... Uh, few people who accept the invitation to do this yeah and that takes courage it takes bravery it's two of us it's one of you um we have differing opinions meanwhile you were willing to come and sit and talk with us uh, and i genuinely appreciate that i'm really i'm really grateful for it it's a lot about your character to be able to do that um any last thoughts or questions for us or are there any things that um you want to tell the people before we sign off no, I mean, um, I, mean, I would just say, I, I mean, I love the concept, black and blurred. I think we have a lot of, you know, as much as like very different opinions, probably spiritually, politically, yeah. in some ways. I'm a moderate, so I'm not a liberal. I'm not, I don't I consider myself a moderate. Yeah. Um, I think we have, um, I love the concept of black and blurred, which is saying like there are black people where we have blurred backgrounds, we have black blurred interests, we like classical music, and that visibility is important. Yeah. So more than anything, I, I can get down with that. Right. I can get down with the, the need for more black representation on our own terms and in ways that shows us that we can be diverse groups of, of people. Mm. Um, yeah. So I would yeah. just say that's really cool. That's, that's awesome. We appreciate that. Oh, last question. Favorite movie yeah. score? Jesus. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> um, um, oh, I, uh, favorite movie score. Do you have that? That is way too hard. I mean, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I have. But I want to hear yours now. Yeah, maybe maybe she can be inspired. I right, hear. Go ahead. Um, remember the Titans. 
Remember that? Wow, that's shocking to me. But I understand why. But I'm saying out of out of that's a lot. It's me? the timing, though. I think I didn't get it. Me? I get it. I get it. They, Are I mean, you they, they, me? I get it. I get it. Mine is. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. No, no, I wasn't prepared. No, no, no. But you know what? I, I genuinely believe that mine is gladiator. I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to go with gladiator. I'm going with gladiator. I almost said Prince of Egypt. I'm going with gladiator. Mm. So I want to say it's some the best. I want to the soundtrack. I think it's Howard Shore, All Lord of the Rings. I think that's one oh, of the okay. best. Okay. Wait, hold on. Um, we talking about soundtrack or score? Just one score. Well, whatever. We're doing, mean, if we're doing soundtrack, if we're going to sweet. I mean, yeah, come what, on. What you going to go? Lion King, Prince of Egypt, Prince of yeah. Egypt. Oh yeah, easily. Okay, yeah. I would say Howard Shore. All like it's just combined. It's really gorgeous. Also, to be corny, but like I do think James Horner Titanic has got to be one. Oh of them. no, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Like it's oh, gotta be he wins. Yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. That thing gets me. It gets me. It does. It's you like, know what I mean? It's like I don't really care if this like romance isn't historical. Let's just replace the history with what this story was yeah, and man. put the put the score in it. Because this exactly. thing, um I think it's him, him to the sea. Is that one? Yeah. Yeah, that man, oh, it's good. It's good. Good choice. Good choice. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys um, joining us on this episode, and we hope that it's an encouragement for you to also like engage your neighbor. If you're on social media, engage your neighbor in the comment section. The worst that they can say after asking if you want to talk is no, <laughs> and then you go on not ever seeing each other again. But don't be a representation of people who are using their tongue to, to tear down. Don't do that. Build up. Build bridges. Share good news. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Black and Blurred, where you're guaranteed to hear one of two things our humble opinion or the facts. Holler at us. <laughs>